You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Wisconsin. Joining me as always is my good friend Frank Madden, the founder of Brew Hoop. Frank, it's a tough one. Uh, that that one hurts a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you, you only get, you know, seven games to, to beat a team, right? Best of seven. Every game is huge. And granted, this is, a, a, you know, a home game to start for Boston um, you know, some people might like to play the, well, it's not a series until, you know, uh, a road team wins a game, but, uh, you want to make this a series in these first two games. I mean, uh, again, uh, I think if you're the bucks, um, the last thing you want to do is drop those first two. And, you know, historically there's some insane, what is, isn't it like something crazy? Like when the home, when the home team wins the first two games, like over 90% of the time they win the series or something yeah. like that. I mean, I think it's a little bit biased because typically, obviously there's a much bigger talent differential than, you know, in this series where there's actually, you could say a negative talent differential, but, um, certainly in a game where, you know, Chris Milton gives you 31 points and was terrific for, for long stretches of the night, um, where, you know, the Celtics, I think for long stretches also showed us that they have problems creating shots, especially down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Um, it, it's tough because, you know, again, the Bucks played John Henson 37 minutes and then what the last, I think four minutes of the game, they go small and are able to tie the game with Giannis playing center needed maybe a little bit of luck, um, with Chris Middleton hitting an incredible buzzer beater. But, um, you know, certainly we saw some things that, you know, I think would say that there's reason to believe that absolutely the Bucks can win this series, but I also don't think I needed to see this game to think that the Bucks could win this series. Yep. Um, and so I think there's some obvious sort of takeaways and we'll see how much of those things sort of change the way the Bucks approach, you know, everything from here on out. But um, certainly uh, a frustrating game because, again, you you had all the chances in the world to to win this game and take game one in Boston. And unfortunately, you play, you know, 53 minutes and uh, you come up just short. Yeah, I mean, I, I just kind of thinking through that a, a little bit, like I picked, I picked the Bucks in six. Like if you read my series preview at ESPNWisconsin.com, you'll see that I picked the Bucks in six. So I didn't need this to to understand that the Bucks could steal this series. At this, just go, looking at this game, I think this is one that the Bucks definitely want back. Like you just don't you don't get a twelve of twenty shooting night, five of seven from three. 31 points and six assists and eight rebounds and two steals and a block from Chris Middleton every night. Like that's just, that's just not what you're going to expect. Like, obviously we talked uh, last year and we've talked during the, during the regular season, like you want Middleton to continue to get better and play well. And I thought he had a great game today, but it's probably not going to happen every day. Like that's just not healthy to expect. And the bucks kind of, kind of wasted that one. And just thinking about this series, in a larger uh, at, a, at a larger view 
I mean, there's a couple questions that you mentioned, and like I said, I put these in my preview, but one, how will the Celtics defend Giannis Dettacumbo? Two, how will the Celtics score? And three, who else from the Bucks can step up and make plays? Today, three was answered very clearly. Chris Middleton. On the other hand, Eric Bledsoe did not. He, he that, no. that maybe the worst game he's had as a buck this year i'm trying to think of one worse uh well definitely his worst game since late january early february when he had that ankle injury and he was just it was starting to figure out what was going on with him um but yeah i mean he had he was horrible today i mean he had a couple made a couple plays in the fourth quarter but um for the most part i mean you know again we talked about it like He's got to outplay Terry Rozier. He can't be badly outplayed by Terry Rozier tonight. Rozier, 23 points on 18 shots. Um, you know, again, Rozier was not great, um, but Rozier made plays, hit that huge three when Bledsoe, I mean, Bledsoe got caught looking. Again, this is sort of a classic Bucks thing. You know, game side at 96, Rozier has the ball, and Bledsoe is looking over to the wing to see who's going to come off a screen. And, you know, Eric Bledsoe, you can't stop that. Like, no. you're not going to do anything no about way. Terry Rozier passing to, I don't know if it was Jalen Brown or whoever was going to come off the screen or Tatum or whatever. Um, And Rozier makes basically his move right as Bledsoe's taking a peek, trying to steal a look over there, and he gets completely turned around, and Rozier gets, you know, the most open shot you're going to get. He was in the lane. He was in the lane when Rozier shot a three. Like that, how? terrible. Like, how is that possible? And like you said, I was looking to the top part of the floor and I was focused on that and how the Bucks were ch- chasing that and switching it. I think it was Snell and Middleton, and they had switched. And then all of a sudden I looked, and the ball was in the air, and Terry Rozier was by himself. And I'm trying to think in my head, like, okay, did did I just black out and something crazy happened? Like, how did he get that open? And how he got that open was just Eric Bledsoe kind of doing his own thing and trying to – and I guess get a steal, but like you said, like you can't stop it. Like that's that's not your play to stop. Your job is your assignment in front of you, and that's Terry Rozier. And he he just wasn't there. And you look at the rest of that game for him: nine points, four rebounds, four assists, five turnovers, falls out, four of twelve from the field. And you had said Rozier didn't even play that good, and yet what you had said before that, that he dramatically outplayed Eric Bledsoe was totally true. Like Rozier was fine. Like he had a good game, but not a world beating game. And he totally outplayed Eric Bledsoe. And uh, I mean, that just kind of can't happen. So it it, it was, it's kind of interesting going into this series. I thought, okay, Bledsoe could have have a, a really good series and he'd be the guy that could outplay Terry Rozier and, you know, maybe Chris Middleton just keeps up with Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown or however you want it to be. Like, maybe he'll just play on the wing. Middleton will play one of those guys to even, and that's a win for the Bucks. And then Middleton, and then, uh, excuse me, then Bledsoe can be the one that is kind of the, the advantage, the trump card. And the exact opposite thing happened today. Yeah. And again, I mean, you wouldn't expect Middleton to be as good and Bledsoe to be as bad as, as they were today moving forward. But, um, certainly, you know, in the kind of grand scheme of the world, you know, it did feel like Bledsoe's poor play pretty much canceled out Middleton's and yep. Middleton's good play. And, and, you know, you look at Giannis, 35 points on 21 shots, um, 13 boards, seven assists, three steals. Obviously the numbers were big 
he fouls out late on a controversial call. It looked like it was, you know, pretty obvious jump ball call. Um, a pretty, I'd say, really difficult. Well, Giannis is tough to officiate, but I thought he was generally poorly officiated. He got away with some travels, but then he also got, you know, probably hacked even more than maybe he got credit for in terms of his free throws, even though he took 16 free throws. Um, so it was just a, a a difficult game for the officials, I think, in general, and what they how they called Giannis. Um, Do you think that's going to happen you know, the rest of the way? I, I mean, I feel like we've talked about how many Celtics games at this point in our Lockdown Bucks career. Eight? Don't we often say after these games, like Celtics are just going to put smaller guys on Giannis, be very handsy, and force officials to call it? And I don't rarely do officials actually call it as tightly as the, as they could, right? Well, I mean, it wasn't really. I mean, I, I was thinking more of Horford, right? Um, but even and, then, I, I feel like Horford and Morris are both very handsy with Giannis. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not obviously just a, a small guy thing thing with him. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. And you know, I, I mean, interesting game for Giannis. He he has four points in the first quarter. I thought he didn't touch the ball nearly enough in the in the early going um, as the Celtics build up a twelve point first quarter lead. Um, you know, the Bucks just kicking the ball all over the place. I mean, how many times can you throw bad passes to a roll man in a pick and roll? Well. The first quarter, Bucks were were aiming to to show you how many times you can do that. I think they had what eight turnovers in the first quarter. Yeah. Uh, I believe they were up 17-16 at one point, and then um, just kind of completely fell apart um, the rest of the way. I think when Bledsoe went out, basically, even though Bledsoe wasn't playing well, they basically were really bad when when Bledsoe was on the court. They were minus 13 when he was off the court. He was plus seven, um, and yeah, things just kind of went went all sorts of bad at the end of the first quarter. But um, second quarter, Giannis uh, in particular and the Bucks start to create turnovers to go in the other way. Uh, he really kind of took flight there, uh, ends up with 16 points in the first half as the Bucks kind of really found their found their mojo there in the second quarter. But, um, you know, he was six of eight at one point, And then he goes, I think he then went um, one for nine uh, from this middle of the second quarter to probably the start of the fourth quarter. He remember he had yeah. that long forced two from the left side and you thought, Bucks are letting this game slip away. He was seven out of seventeen at that point, but credit to Giannis, he finishes eleven out of twenty-one. He made his last four shots. Um, you know, he made for the most part shot well from the free throw line overall, thirteen out of sixteen. Um, but unfortunately, two big misses down the stretch. He was two out of four in the final minute of overtime, and uh, obviously one of those misses ended up was was the one where he was uh, got his sixth foul. And so, uh, you know, again, like the numbers are huge for Giannis. Kind of an uneven night from sort of a flow perspective um which is scary to say right if he had played yep. kind of the way he did in the you know early second quarter and sort of second half of the fourth quarter in overtime um throughout the whole game i mean he could have scored 50 points you know um but for the most part i mean you know this is what we we're worried about is what if Giannis is not the best player in this series and i mean again and i expect expect over the course of the series Giannis will be the best player um but al horford was tremendous i mean they they obviously played one another one-on-one for much of the night um horford caused all sorts of problems backing on us down in the post um but overall i mean horford 24 points on just eight shots five out of eight 13 out of 14 from line 12 boards four assists two steals three blocks um he was the best player in this game for either team and again like if Giannis is not the best player on the court um 
you're probably not going to win. And obviously today they had a chance and, and, you know, not that Giannis was far off from that uh, against Horford, but uh, again, Horford was, was tremendous. And they went, they went at it for, for long stretches to end the game with Giannis playing at center and Horford at center. But um, obviously this is one of those games where, uh, you know, just small things, small mistakes, one way or the other uh, ended up being, being the difference. I tweeted it out after the game, but I guess to me, the first adjustment I make, the first thing I'm telling my team when we go through the film is Giannis, stop reaching. It's not going to help. It's just simply not going to help. Like there, there isn't a ton of steals to be had by reaching on Al Horford. I know he got one late in the game that was kind of miraculous and impossible, um, but for the most part, Against Horford, he's big enough, he's quick enough that reaching will just put you on his back. It'll put you on his hip, and he'll keep you there. And a lot of the times, since his arms are so long and he's has such a, a big frame, it's going to be a foul. And I thought we kind of saw the the adverse effects of Giannis in foul trouble. Like when Giannis has that foul trouble and it it didn't come until a a little bit later in the game, but you can just tell he's not quite as aggressive. He's scared of getting that charge called on him, which I don't blame him. A lot of the times he, he will get charges that go against him that maybe shouldn't go against him, but charges when you are that big is something that other teams are going to do they'll try they'll try to set up for it and see if they can pick up a a cheap one on you but i just remember seeing 108 106 i think 40 seconds left in overtime bucks get a steal or a stop i can't remember which but either way Giannis has the ball in the middle of the floor three on three break and he takes one hard dribble to half court and then the next dribble is kind of soft and then he just pitches it back to chris middleton and it's like that's your that's your basket man 108 106 three on three break you have the ball in the middle of the floor there's shooters on each side that's got to be a bucket like that there's just no other way like that's how you've played this entire season and obviously you don't want to see him pick up the six on a charge but if he's going to pick up a foul and it's going to be a charge i think you can probably handle it in that situation like that that to me was the Bucks' best chance. Instead, it I think it gets handed off to Middleton, uh, and then handed off to Brogdon. Brogdon goes baseline, gets blocked by Jason Tatum. Somehow saves the ball to Tony Snell. Tony Snell takes a three. They miss it, and then that's the game. And it, it, it was just such a. I mean, to me, it was kind of a telling possession that throughout this year we've seen when Giannis gets five fouls, he's less aggressive, which all players are, um, but. It can just hurt so much, and I believe I would need to go back and check, but I think three of his six fouls come, came on reaching Horford. And the, the, to me, there's just no reason for it. And I told you this before we recorded. like If he gets those 24 points, and let's say I take away six free throws, the three fouls that Giannis gave him, and I turn his night into an 8 of 11 night from the field, uh, and just seven for eight night from the free throw line. So seven, eight from the free throw line, eight of 11 from the field. And he gets 24 points. I can deal with that. Cause that means Giannis has three falls instead of six falls. Like uh, uh, to me, like you said, Horford outplayed him. And to me, that's the biggest thing is the following from Giannis. Like it, it j- he knows he can't get in foul trouble, but this Horford matchup is kind of, I mean, to me, it's kind of ripe for it, right? Like he's going to be 
very physical with Giannis. He's going to put Giannis in some precarious positions, and Giannis just kind of has to have the the discipline not to reach in there and get himself in trouble. I thought late clock fouls were a consistent problem. It wasn't just Giannis. Yep. It was like the whole team. I mean, I don't know how many times the Bucks seemed to play good defense like the first three and a half quarters, and then with three seconds left, they either foul or somebody just gets wide open for a shot or drives for, for a layup. Um, and, you know, again, the nice, the, the positive thing is that in the last six minutes in overtime, for the most part, the Bucks were forcing a lot of late clock action and forcing difficult shots and forcing misses. And that when they went small, um, you know, the, the good news was that they defended, you know, at a much higher level. Now, they still gave up some second chances. You know, the offensive boards were generally a bad story tonight. Um, plus six advantage for the Celtics, uh, you know, 87% rebound rate for defensive rebound rate for the Celtics, uh, 77% for the Bucs. So it wasn't a disastrous night on the defensive boards for the Bucs by any stretch. Um, but, you know, there were definitely, you know, those extra possessions were definitely won by the Celtics on the boards. And then in the turnover department, you know, those eight first quarter turnovers really um, dug the Bucks into a hole and they end up. Uh, with 20 turnovers compared to the Celtics, 15, 27 to 18 differential in uh, off turnovers for the Celtics, uh, which, again, you know, was probably front loaded to that first quarter. But again, it's, you know, just how many times have the Bucks dug themselves holes, especially in the second half of the season. And it just creates that dynamic where, you know, they end up having to play from behind. And, you know, in this game, they did actually they did obviously take a lead in the second quarter. Um, and, you know, in the early third quarter, they, you know, obviously it was not like the Boston was like up 10 or anything like that. I mean, the Celtics, I don't know if the Celtics led by double digits at any point in the second half. Um, I think it got to nine points at one point in the fourth quarter. But, uh, you know, it's just making life difficult, you know, on the road. You, you don't want to have to play from behind like this on the road. And um, I was going to say, this Celtics team is just so bad on offense. They're not good, period. Like, and you just mentioned two things where you're giving them points: late falls in the shot clock, in what you twenty seven points off turnovers. Yeah, like, you just can't do it. Like, they need something to get their offense going. Like, it, their offense just is not, just not very good. Like with Irving out, like they are going to have to hit a bunch of tough shots, and the only way you can force them into hitting a bunch of tough shots is to be semi-disciplined yourself like there's going to be turnovers you're probably going to have around i don't know 12 no matter what in just about any game but controlling those other eight if if it's only three today if it's only four today and you take away eight of those points early in the game like you're not fighting that uphill battle and i just think uh and again this is a crazy thing to say with this bucks team because they are so undisciplined but if you can just manage to avoid those turnovers, like, I, I just think turnovers are such a killer in this series because it's one of the few ways that the Celtics will find easy offense. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I don't have a chart of where the turnovers happened. It felt like all of them happened because the Bucks, the Celtics did a nice job of being compact, you know, sort of yeah. around the, the the lane. And you know, when the Bucks were trying to attack the the paint, they tried to pass to Henson or Zeller or somebody. And they couldn't complete, you know, three foot passes um, or, or got it poked away. You know, Giannis had a poke away from Horford early in the game as well. Um, so, again, I guess, you know, silver lining here. Yeah, there's there's some eminently correctable things here as far as, you know, the reasons why why you lost this game. And certainly, you know, what we saw from Boston was was not scary. Um, 
you know, again, like it's not like they had tons and tons of open threes either. Um, nope. I thought, you know, they, they hit some tough threes, actually, uh, especially in that fourth quarter. It looked like they hit just some backbreaking threes that, you know, again, the Bucks somewhat managed to recover from. But I thought the um, effort was good defensively today. Yeah, I thought especially when they went small, um, you know, you really felt it. But in general, too, I, you know, again, I, I think whether they were big or small, I thought the, the effort level was generally very good. Um, you know, I think uh, we haven't talked about Jabari Parker at all. They got run off the court when Parker and Parker's 15 minutes, they were minus 14. Um, I, again, I don't know if he's playable in this series. <laughs> um, yep. You know, I, I don't know. Um, you know, that was one thing we talked about. Like, can you afford to play him late in games? Can you afford to play him a lot of minutes? Um, it's kind of tough to say, but obviously with, you know, you look at the the starting five, you throw in Brogdon there as well. That that group of six all played 32 plus minutes tonight. Um, you know, Tony Snell did not play offense, play well offensively at all. Um, and, and no bigger miss than that one uh, in overtime where he got the ball off that scramble. And I don't know if he realized how much time was on the clock. I don't know how much was left on the clock, but you know, he really wasn't squared up, took a three from the, from the left corner that, you know, certainly was makeable, but he misses that over three from three on the game. Um, I thought he did well defensively for, for long stretches, especially when they were switching things. But, um, again, you know, it, it's tough because, there was just very little help for for Giannis and Chris and um, you know Bledsoe is obviously the main guy that you look at because we're used to him giving you 17 18 point, points yep. per game um, but you know Snell unfortunately gave you kind of another sort of Snell MIA game and Jabari one out of five um, two points you know major negative impact um, and you know Brogdon really the, the only the only other guy who really made much of any impact uh, in this game which was obviously very encouraging to see because obviously Brogdon's a guy that we've been waiting to see like how how close to 100% will he be coming back from that that long injury layoff but um, he hits that huge three off a very nicely designed play um, Celtics come out kind of looking like they're in a zone almost Rozier kind of sucks in when Giannis gets the ball and drives middle and he kicks it immediately to Brogdon for a three to tie it at 96. Um, and in general, I would say that, I mean, the Bucks actually had some nice play calling down the stretch in particular. So, you know, as much as we always dog on Joe Prenti and company, um, they actually had some had some good possessions there, had some nice plays drawn out of timeouts. Um, but again, you know, uh, lots of kind of encouraging stuff there um but then also you know mental mistakes on on both ends that that really were were pretty frustrating to see i want to go back to brogdon in just a second but i i thought it was interesting with snell and parker um those are your two biggest negatives on the day Tony Snell and negative 17 and Jabari Parker uh, minus 14 and plus minus. And I know people always kind of talk about plus minus and what it means and what it doesn't mean. And one of the first things I said to you was I thought a minus 14 for Jabari Parker in 15 minutes felt a hundred percent, right? Like that felt totally accurate that yes, that is what it looked like on the floor. And I thought the minus 17 for Tony Snell looked a hundred percent inaccurate. Like I, I just thought the way that he defended the way that he chased guys around screens. Like I just thought he did a really nice job. And, and as you mentioned, when they started to do more switching, I thought he was able to do a lot of good things defensively. And yeah, like he was over three from three, passed up another look and what in the first half, I think he did a pump fake drive to the basket and it was a charge. And it was just another one of those situations where it's like, no man, shoot it. 
you got to shoot it, period. Like, it, whether or not it goes in, you got to shoot the three. If someone kicks it out to you, you got to shoot it. And it, it's just interesting that they could have similar plus minuses. And I get this is why people don't like the stat, but when you think about their games, like, okay, well, Tony Snell happened to be in at the end of the first quarter as they, as the Celtics went on that big run. And then a little bit in the second quarter when they went on another run. So like it, it adds up, but I, I, I mean, I've already gone on my Jabari Parker rant. I don't know that I need to do another one. Um, I think my feelings on the way that he's playing right now are pretty, pretty clear. Um, I'll say it again, though. I don't get it. I, I don't get it. Like you, you wanna, you wanna say you want more money, less money. They didn't give me this contract or this offer. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't, I don't really know what you expect this summer if that's what you look like in the playoffs. And again, first playoff game, maybe it was just jitters. Maybe everything will be uh, hunky dory going forward. Uh, but. It looked a whole lot like Jabari Parker in the regular season in being lost defensively, floating on the baseline offensively, killing the Bucks' space, um, not getting back in transition. Just about any, any of the things you could list during the regular season, I thought we're all there for Jabari again. And to me, it was just kind of disheartening. Like, I, I don't get it. I, I really don't. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, I, I thought those two interesting that – I thought one could play well and the other one not play well, still have similar plus minuses to Brogdon though. I, I mean, that's huge, right? Like that's the, the most minutes that he's played since he's come back. Uh, the bucks are ramping him up, but 32 playoff minutes. So the most intense, hard, difficult minutes that you could get 32 of them. And he goes for 16 points, four rebounds, three assists and a steal. And I mean, I just thought he was he was really solid, and he even had that left wing ISO against Horford where he hits a three from like about a foot behind the line. And I mean, I, we talked about it before he he came all the way back that we were a little bit concerned. He always is just barely getting it over the rim, just barely getting it there. And with a, with a leg with a leg injury, with a lower body injury, you think okay maybe he won't have the legs for it, and he absolutely did. I thought he was great good decisions made throughout and i mean he was still able to get to the basket and have some of his sneaky finishes there i just thought he was a huge boost and and maybe this kind of changes uh the way that you you kind of go through a game maybe he's uh your sub at shooting guard instead of at point guard and you stretch blood out a little bit if he plays better next i don't know like it it's it's an interesting calculus now because i just thought he was great today yeah, and, and that's obviously the Bucks have been missing that, right? Somebody off the bench who can actually, you know, spell Bledsoe and, and not have it be disastrous. Um, you know, Brandon Jennings not active today, which I think we, we'd agree was, you know, reasonable, given that you've yeah. also got uh, Del Vadova, who I think I'd also say I was happy to see that he DNP'd, right? I mean, uh, you know, basically it was a nine-man rotation. We saw Sterling Brown come in just on a defensive, like, free throw slash fouling uh, possession late in the game. But, um, you know, only eight guys played real minutes. Zeller only played four minutes. Um, you know, again, I wouldn't mind seeing Zeller play a little bit more. Um, but, you know, Hanson was great today, though. 
Yeah, Henson's six blocks. I mean, that was really the one stat that stood out. I mean, he protected the rim very well um, and, you know, was that back line of defense. And obviously they, they didn't go to him late in the game um, once uh, once they went small and, and started to have some success that way. But, um, yeah, I mean, Henson, uh, playoff Henson, hashtag playoff Henson. <laughs> uh, uh, he, he was solid. And, uh, you know, again, I think it'll be interesting to see what adjustments they make going into game two, because certainly, um, you know, being able to go small, um, what did you like and not like from that in, in fourth quarter and overtime? I think there were certainly some takeaways there where that changed the look uh, a fair bit. And, you know, just from an offensive standpoint, you know, just, you know, I was glad not only was Giannis playing center, but they were just giving him the ball in the middle of the court. Right. And yep. that's where that's how you have to play. You know, if if you have four shooters on the court with Giannis or four, you know, non, non big men with Giannis, um, put him, give him the ball in the middle court, let him start high and and attack the rim and, you know, kick out whatever. Um, because that's, um, that's, that's a good way to play. And that's how to, you know, maximize spacing for Giannis and give him a chance to make plays. And obviously we saw him do that, um, repeatedly in, in, uh, in the fourth quarter and, and overtime. I say, even if you want to disguise it a little bit, where he starts in the post and then comes around the screen to get it in the middle of the floor, and maybe that helps you uh, create a little bit something more for for shooters right off of that attack. But yeah, I mean, if if Giannis at the five is going to be great, it's going to be great offensively. Um, we've seen them struggle defensively. We've seen them struggle rebounding uh, in those small ball units. So if it's going to be great, it's going to be great offensively. And the way for it to be great offensively is ball in the middle of the floor, shooters around them, and, and let them go to work. And I thought throughout the fourth quarter, we, we got to see quite a bit of that. So it's interesting because Giannis at the five lineups have been bad this entire year. Like they, they there's just really no way around it. There, I don't even know if there's an example of a, a good one. Maybe there is. Um, I haven't looked at the lineup data in a little bit. But for the most part, those have been bad lineups. And today it was the lineup that was able to get you back into the game late. And obviously you have some heroics from Chris Middleton. And uh, you have a great shot there by Malcolm Brogdon to tie it up late as well. But at the same time, that was what got you back into it. And uh, it'll be curious to see if they – they can go to that going forward. Also, if you can possibly, I'm just trying. If Brogdon is the guy that you can slot in there instead of Jet, some just because like with the Bledsoe foul trouble and some of that stuff. I, I don't know if we got to see. I'm trying to think. Was it what was the small ball lineup the entire? Was it the same the entire time, or was there a substitution in the middle there? I can't remember quite. Uh, well, I remember it being. Um, Bledsoe, Brogdon, Snell, Middleton, yep. Giannis, and then when Bledsoe filed out, uh, Jet came in. Okay, yeah. Uh, so yeah. the hope would be, obviously, you don't have foul trouble with any of those guys, and you can just run it out. And with as good as Brogdon has been, and I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff there that I keep wanting to talk about or say this is something that the Bucks should look at, but it, it, it does – need to have a good Eric Bledsoe involved with it. Like he, he just has to be better, but I think it's fairish to assume that he can't be as bad as he was today. Um, but it, to me, that the, a large part of the five man or the, the small ball five stuff with Giannis, like that's what it comes down to, like how effective Eric Bledsoe can be. And if he can get back on the floor, stay on the floor, cause it looks like Brogdon can kind of do his part. 
Yeah, and yet neither Giannis nor Bledsoe hit a shot outside seven feet tonight. Um, all those guys scored all, all uh, what was it, 15 shots they made were in the paint. Bledsoe was, uh, I think, 0 for 6 outside the paint, and Giannis was uh, 0 for 5 outside the paint. So, um, you know, again, like, I don't think that's going to happen again in this series, mainly because Bledsoe will make some jump shots. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, it's difficult. You know, I thought... Overall, you look at the numbers today, 106.1 defensive rating for the Bucks. That's better than their average. You know, again, like against the Celtics, who obviously are, you know, kind of running on fumes at times. Um, you know, again, like you can probably do better, but that's also not a bad effort, right? Like I would have been happy with that coming into this game if you told me. But uh, an offensive rating of just 100.4, um, you know, that's that's not good for a team that uh, you'd expect to be, you know, on average closer to 110. But again, the Celtics are a good defensive team. And um, the Bucks, I think many times tonight just sort of let them off the hook as well. Yeah, it's going to be, I mean, to me, that's that's kind of at the crux of, of this series, right? Like, are the Bucks so bad defensively that they can help the Celtics offense become passable? And conversely, is the Celtics offense bad enough that they can make the Bucks defense passable like that to me that's the battle of this series which way does that end up going and uh, I think it, I mean uh, obviously I predicted the Bucks in six so I think that favors the Bucks but uh today it, it didn't go that way uh, obviously we mentioned the turnovers and kind of how that helped out um just wanted to say I don't love Jason Terry playing 18 minutes but every time I want to say I don't love Jason Terry playing 18 minutes he makes a bunch of plays and he makes them make sense as a whole. Yeah, I mean, it's not a good sign that Jason Terry actually playing Jason Terry gives you a chance to win or improve yeah, your chances absolutely. of winning. But by the same token, uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's just sort of dis- disappointing that guys haven't, you know, been able to improve their their game and and do more to to supplant Jason Terry it's like every summer we wonder you know are are some of the bucks wings going to be able to put Jason Terry out of a job in the last couple of years obviously the answer has unfortunately been no and I mean, it, I, mean I think it would have helped if Jason Kidd wasn't the coach like I think yeah, Sterling Brown sure, probably sure. could have done that but he didn't yeah, play it all for the first half of the season and now he's playing catch up and well in the playoffs you don't have time to play catch up yeah, and you know, to to Jets credit as well. I mean, as soon as he came in, I think was it the start of the second quarter. I mean, it's I think they steal, forced steal, turnover. Steal. He got one yep. steal. Yeah, they forced turnovers like right away when he came to the game. And you know, I was joking on Twitter that, you know, why 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 do the Bucks play better with Jason Terry? And you know, maybe it's because he's had good coaching at some point in his career, which a lot of the Bucks have not had. So, yeah. um, so I, I don't know. But again, it's. Uh, a bitter pill game to swallow where, you know, your, your two big names combined for 66 points on 41 shots. Uh, and again, Brogdon gave them some help, but other than that, uh, obviously, um, Henson's defense was also a plus, but, uh, again, just felt like, you know, it was Giannis, Chris Brogdon, and, you know, a bunch of guys kind of waiting down tonight and, and you're going to need a little bit more help than that. Uh, if you're going to take game two and pretty essential to take game two at this point, because again, you know, every game is essential. It's the playoffs. But again, to, to lose those first two games, you, you worry just the psychology of the Bucks, the psychology <laughs> of the Celtics. You know, you, you need to do something to to kind of, you know, throw a spike into the series and, um, you know, again, take take that home court. And obviously when you win a game on the road in the first two, um, that means that that now you have home court the rest of the series. So, 
We will see. It would have been great to get that get that win out of the way today. They had every chance to do it, but um, again, you know the uh, the battle between talent versus coaching and discipline and smart play and whatever. Um, today, the latter the latter was too much. Can I tell you how adorable I think it is that Bucks fans wanted to complain about Chris Middleton to me today? I, I just got to say that's well done. Kudos. I can't I can't even imagine thinking that, and you guys still managed to do it. So. Good on you guys. The, yeah, I mean, the only the only thing I felt you complained with Chris about today was he dribbled it up against Al Horford, and I don't know how many how much time was left, but they were down what one eleven, one oh seven, and you know could have pulled up for a three with Horford backpedaling yeah, and said drove to the basket and and misses, which just felt like you know kind of old old Chris Middleton and not the Middleton that we saw today who hit five out of seven from three. Um, obviously, you you wish he would have just taken because that's the thing. I mean, it's. And Chris actually took Horford off the dribble a number of times today, which was encouraging to see when they had switches. Yep. Um, but, it, yeah, you would have liked to see Chris just pull up and, and launch a three at that point because um, there was not much time left in, in overtime as well. But um, And also he was know, the again, only one left. Just, like Bledsoe was already fouled out and Giannis was fouled yeah, out Yeah, Giannis well. was fouled out. Yeah, right, yeah. Um, so it'll, it'll see. By the way, one other thing I, I think is weird, when Giannis has the ball and is defended by not Al Horford, like they kept running screens to get Giannis matched up against Al Horford. Like, yeah, look, I know, yeah. I know Giannis has at times been able to take him off the dribble, like especially when he's like one on one and cleared out from the top of the key. But I, I would rather have Giannis going against Morris or pretty much anybody but Horford at this point. So just, I don't know, just like I, I mean, other teams do this too. Like sometimes where they get so into the the habit of trying to run pick and rolls to get switches for a star player yep. that like. They don't factor in that. Well, actually, the guy who's going to switch onto you is a better defender than, than the yeah. guy who's guarding you right now. So, anyway. All right. Um, I'm trying to. I think we've covered just about everything. I don't know if there was anything uh, that we missed. Uh, the only thing I'd say is huge shot from Brogdon at the end of the fourth quarter. That one that tied it up before Chris tied it up. I'm still not 100% sure how Chris, with his sometimes deliberate release managed to get a three off from 35 feet in a f- five tenths of a second. Still not really sure how that was possible, but that was crazy. Uh, but the Bucks losing overtime despite forcing it with a couple great shots, uh, one drawn up pretty nicely to get Brogdon that look and then uh, Middleton to get that last one. Uh, the Bucks lose. 113-107. Giannis Dedekumbo, 35 points, 13 rebounds, 7 assists, 3 steals, uh, but 6 fouls fouled out and 4 turnovers as well. Chris Middleton, 31 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, 2 steals, 1 block, 3 turnovers for him. Uh, real solid night for him. Bledsoe was the one that struggled, and uh, you got to hope for a better game from him in Game 2. 9 points for him, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, 5 turnovers, and he fouled out as well. So we will see what happens in the next one for the Bucks. Bucks lose 113-107. We will talk to you tomorrow to maybe think up some adjustments and figure out exactly uh, what the Bucks should be expecting in Game 2. For Frank Madden, I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We will talk to you tomorrow.